blue wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 173 of Press Pass. Kayla Anderson here alongside with my co-host Joshua Perry in what was one of the craziest weekends again in terms of college football that I can remember with upsets galore. I, um, first and foremost, want to ask you how you are doing after a weekend like that and how much fun was it? Um, it was a fun weekend. Um, you know, I, I called the game in Columbus. I was glad I got to do that. Um, but, you know, you, you look at the landscape in my conference, I mean, the Big Ten East at least is undefeated through two weeks. The Big Ten West, um, I think the only team that hasn't lost yet is Minnesota. So uh, that's crazy. Um, down south, like Alabama, you good? Like yeah. you guys need a hug? A&M, you good? They need a hug. You guys need a hug? And I, I think we talked about A&M before the season too um, when – you were doing your initial yeah. AP poll. And uh, I, I love the fact that we kind of share thoughts over the weekend yep. after games and yep. um, discuss. And I appreciate you kind of, you know, you know, uh, asking for input on on some of the teams just to get a, a fair view of it. Yeah. That's what, what legit media people do. Um, but one of the things I said to you on your initial poll is regardless of, of where you slot A&M in, I think it's going to be too high. Yeah. Because um, I just wasn't confident that their quarterback was going to be a difference maker, um, mm-hmm. regardless of the amount of talent that they have. And I also wasn't sure as a developmental coaching staff what Jimbo had as well. And I think that's one thing that we don't talk about enough is some of these staffs are great recruiting staff. Some yeah. of these staffs are great developmental staffs. There are very few that are great recruiting and great developmental. So anyway, um, all that to say, um, down on the Big Ten West, SEC, like, uh, I mean, they look like rest of college football right now, for being completely honest, and the Sun Belt is trying to be what the American has been for the last handful of years is that next best conference that might be better than some of the Power Five conferences out here. It's crazy to think about the Sun Belt, which, you know, when I was in Alabama, I also covered Troy, which mm-hmm. is a part of the Sun Belt. And it's so funny because when I when I talk about the Sun Belt, when when I think about it, I don't ever think about any type of football team that would be going and beating power five teams. Right. You just don't no. really think about that being the case. And now there was what, three of them. Um, yeah that we were talking about. So that was really interesting to see that, especially the the day and, you know, life we're living in terms of college football, all these power conferences getting all the money. So that was kind of what made everything so crazy. Um, I'm going to go back to talking about Texas A&M and a couple of things we spoke about before I put out my AP poll, but I did want to ask, and I had to ask about your trip Back home to Columbus, you guys did the Big Ten uh, show there, I believe. And yes. our former friend, uh, Tyvis Powell, who was an intern of mine 
as well as you were as, as well, and I covered Tyvis as well, was there with you. And it looked like you guys were like on the red carpet. I mean, you guys had fans screaming your name, signing autographs. Like, how cool was that? It's great to be back in Columbus. It's one of the things that, um, you know, I miss about this next step in my uh, career journey is just um, that atmosphere and, and how special uh, that place is specifically. But it was great. First off, I'm fortunate to have been able to do a show with Tyvis um, as he's trying to venture into the space. And you know uh, how much work that he has put in for years, just trying to lay the foundation and learn different skills. Um, but to be up there with him was great. As you mentioned, um, the fanfare of being on campus always stands out to me. Yeah. And um, I, I, I do want to point this out, but uh, we were when I was done with my segment up there, I did want to spend some time, um, you know, signing autographs for yeah. fans because I can remember being a kid on campus yep. and what that would have meant for me. And so as we uh, celebrate the game of college football, I think one of the biggest parts of that and something we should never lose focus on is how we engage our young fans and how we can make a difference in, in their uh, in their journey as fans. So that was awesome for me. I had certainly enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, we had we had a hell of a time up on the set, too. I mean, you know, we're <laughs> the best of friends. So we're over there screwing around. I was just trying to make sure I didn't cuss. Um, right? on air because I'm so comfortable around time. So it was awesome. Yeah, you too. I swear. Where does time go? I, I swear it was like just yesterday when we're covering you guys at Ohio State. I just remember Pro Day specifically. I think that's the last time we kind of got to cover you guys before you know you guys went off on your pro journeys. And it's so funny because you know Tyvis. He has such a sense of humor. He's such a jokester. Um, so I can only imagine you two in the booth together oh man i'm sure that that was that was a fun (laughs) fun time we 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 have a blast i'll just put it like that well i'm glad you had fun that's really cool i heard a lot of good feedback via twitter from just ohio state people they were really excited to see you guys and and hear you guys calling the game so i wanted to go back to texas a&m because you had spoke about um you know just kind of picking your brain a little before i put out my ap poll which, by the way, if you guys don't know, it's uh, our AP polls are due when there's obviously the Saturday regular games. Uh, they're due at like 11 a.m. the next morning. So there's not a lot of time. If you were like me that was staying up late and watching the BYU-Baylor game, there's not a lot of time to sleep in and then get your, your poll ready. I mean, you've got to pretty much be ready to go because on weekends like this, where everything is destroyed, it takes a while to really get your pull together in terms of what, you know, I take it pretty seriously. So I had um, asked Joshua if I could pick his brain and, you know, you gave me some good feedback and I am one of those people that actually dropped A&M from my pull. Um, yeah. As you know, they're still in the pool. Yeah. Um, but I did completely drop them. I, I think the more and more I thought about it and when I got your feedback, I just thought at this point, I just don't think that they deserve to be in a, in the top 25, Joshua. Yeah, I mean, they ran 38 plays of offense. Um, so whether that was your defense not being able to get the critical stop so you could get the football back, um, whether that was not being able to, to sustain drives, like it was bad. They ended up throwing for, I believe, under 100 yards and they ran for under 100 yards. Like, yeah. woof. 
But um, Haynes King over two games is the uh, starting quarterback over there at A&M. Three touchdowns, two interceptions. Yeah. Um, that's miserable. It, that, I mean, that's really bad football for having, you know, these back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back great recruiting classes. And then just to dig in on Jimbo, because I got, you know, I, I don't know Jimbo. I'm sure that um, he's, he's an okay guy. And uh, I think he is a good coach. But just to dig in on this, because I, I get sick and tired of people anointing guys prematurely. Yes. You know, you yes. win the recruiting, the the offseason with recruiting, and now all of a sudden you're going to win a championship. Yep. And Jimbo is a championship coach, but I feel like we put the cart before the horse in that scenario, certainly. Um, through 50 games, Kevin Sumlin at Texas A&M had a better record than Jimbo Fisher did. Jimbo Fisher on this, you know, $100 million fully guaranteed contract. I got to get you some of the, the numbers. So um, through 50 games, first 50 games at A&M, uh, Jimbo Fisher, 35 wins, Kevin Sumlin, 36 wins. Ranked wins, Jimbo Fisher, seven, Kevin Sumlin, nine. Ranked road wins, Jimbo Fisher, uh, zero, Kevin Sumlin, five. And losses to group of five schools, Jimbo Fisher, one, Kevin Sumlin, zero. Interest- so, that's really interesting. Yeah. And, I mean, that's that's what you can pair it off of, right? And I know things yeah. change, but when you hire somebody and you pay them the way that you've paid Jimbo Fisher, the thought process is that you are going to be head and shoulders above what the predecessor had done. The thought process is that you pay somebody like that because their value to your university is that much higher than what you could have gotten uh, an average coach for um, exactly so i'd be very curious to see how long of a leash this guy really has down there in college station because you know they they're paying him a ton of money i think the contract's fully guaranteed like I, God, back to the corner yeah well that's what that you know what that's what these universities they they keep doing because like you said sometimes these big names um, you know, it, it's like they expect them to just come in and make everything better. And that's not necessarily, you know, the way that that it works. And I know that Jimbo Fisher, you know, after this loss, he was he's been talking about, um, you know, something that he's going to evaluate is relinquishing play calling duties. Um, and it'll be he interesting. He's a better quarterback. I'm not exactly well, yeah, sure that, that with that quarterback, like, it yeah. matters who the hell yeah. is calling plays. Yeah. Like. No, you're you're exactly right. So, I mean, that is really something to keep an eye on. Um, we weren't necessarily at the start of the season saying that we would be keeping an eye on Jimbo Fisher maybe losing his job. But my goodness, I don't put anything past, you know, a school like Texas A&M. I know that money's involved. I don't think they're going to fire him anytime soon. But um, there could be some repercussions if, if he can't start putting wins together um, at this point. So. It'll be interesting to see that. Speaking of coaches, Joshua. Can I, can I tell you something yeah, real no, quick? Yeah, go for it before I move on to Scott Frost. Jimbo Fisher's um, buyout will not drop below $50 million, $50 million until oh 2027. My. See, I, I just I, – I can't understand how any, anybody would think that that is a good idea, no matter how no. confident you think you are in hiring any type of coach. Yeah, these ADs got to stop doing stuff like these that. These ADs like, are idiots. 
They are. And it's funny because we're going to sit here and, and, and talk about Scott Frost at some point and, you know, how they they paid him $15 million instead of waiting three weeks to pay him seven and a half or whatever the case is. But when you see Jimbo's freaking buyouts at like $95 million right now and it won't drop below 50 until 27, like, come on. Yeah. Oh, my God. Nebraska looks like geniuses right now. See, right? I agree, which they're not, but you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I think I saw um, there's this funny parody thing going on around on YouTube after this weekend. I don't know who did it, but it's pretty much like all the teams that lost, right? And so they they're all like these um, these guys that like end up in the hospital and they're they're go they're you know trying to talk about like their loss. It's a whole parody thing. And then Nebraska's like the last one that comes into the hospital and they pretty much just say, you know, you're going to have to wait in line. Like, like we, we don't care. It's just really funny. If I find it, I'll send you the link, but it just was like the, the story of Nebraska's lives. I feel like, cause we've been talking about this. I want to say for the past, like over a year about Scott Frost possibly being pushed out the door. Oh Yeah. We've yeah. been saying this. I mean, we're just like the time is coming, and then sure enough, um, with the loss to what was it, Georgia State, Georgia uh, Southern, Southern, excuse me, Georgia Southern this past weekend. Um, did you expect that that was that was it? Yeah, I'm, I'm not shocked. I, I'm not shocked at the outcome of that game. Now, here's the crazy stat that they had. Um, on one of the graphics during the game, I thought it was just really good context. But at Memorial Stadium, Nebraska was uh, 214 and 0 when scoring 35 or more points, uh, and now they're 214 and 1 at Memorial Stadium when scoring 35 oh or more points. Oh my god! Yeah, um, but not shocked at the outcome. Certainly not shocked at Scott Frost being fired at this juncture. Um, I, I, I've spoken to Trev Albert, CAD at Nebraska multiple times. And um, he is, he is great because he is a direct communicator who is extremely transparent. And, um, and based in saying that, I think that he had had very direct conversations with Scott, uh, Scott and, and a lot of transparency about what expectations were. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that part of those conversations, this is not saying from information that I know, it's just from what I've taken away from the type of guy that he is, um, that it wasn't going to make a difference on the timing if if he didn't see things changing, Yeah, not just on the scoreboard and wins and losses, but in terms of the culture of the team and the discipline and all those things, it was going to be game over. And Trev also is a former player, uh, at Nebraska, who cares a ton about that university and knows what the expectations are, and knew that what Scott Frost was doing as head coach was like so unacceptable, um, just in terms of the outcome and what that program had become in the last couple of years. Now, this is a real interesting thing about this um, that doesn't have to necessarily do with Scott, uh, but Trev said in his press conference that they're going to stop talking about. Uh, winning national championships and they're yeah. going to stop talking about, and, and they're going to start talking about uh, they're just going to start doing winning things. They're going to create winning habits in that program. And that really stands out to me because 
I think he knows what his fan base expects. Yeah. But I think he also understood that what was going on in that program under Scott Frost was not what it takes to actually get there. So when you say that, what do you think Scott Frost wasn't doing that he wasn't able to get the job done? Well, I think by the end of it, he probably just lost the uh, the confidence and the trust of mm-hmm. uh, the players in that locker room. Uh, and, and that's where you lose it every time. But up until yeah. that point, it's a lack of player development. You know, he, he had recruited really well. I'm not exactly sure that he got the uh, the genetic potential maximized out of a majority of those players. Mm-hmm. That certainly matters. Um, coaching decisions, which I'm I'm a 50-50 guy on coaching decisions where I'm a yeah. little bit more of the new age, um, kind of risk it with you know, some of the traditional paradigm on what to do in certain situations. I, I believe in the analytics more than I believe in kind of, you know, what has traditionally been done. Yeah. But um, regardless, made some very poor coaching decisions. Special teams have been an issue year in and year out. Um, and it, it never got fixed. And that was a big problem. And then the lack of discipline on the football field. So that's stupid penalties. That's turnovers. Um, those types of things were just, it it was like, it was, I don't want to say rogue because I don't think that guys were out here just doing anything, you know, inside and outside of the facility, but it felt like there were few boundaries when it came to what discipline should look like within that program. And it showed on the football field. Yeah, just all of that stuff, a recipe for disaster, obviously, that ended in it with Scott Frost being hired um, after week two. And I saw you put up on Twitter a, a, something kind of a thought that you were having, thinking out loud, saying, you know, possibly we're talking about candidates now that could fill this um, position. And you were even bringing up the name Tom Herman, obviously, sure. uh, at Ohio State at some point, took over at Texas. I think now is he doing an- – uh, analyst work for yeah he's in the booth with uh cbs cbs that's what i thought yep. so give me your thoughts on herman what do you really think he'd be a, a good fit yeah i mean i've got no dog in this fight obviously i haven't spoken to tom herman in many years but i, I was just thinking like you know the natural progression of a coach who gets fired is you do the analyst thing and you you know you try to uh you you go and you learn and mm-hmm. um you 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 rehash what your career was and what you could have done differently. And then you apply new information to that so you can spin it forward. Um, but then once the analyst thing kind of runs its course, then you see guys go into the booth. And we've seen Urban do the television thing and get back into coaching twice. Um, <laughs> we Dan Mullen, I'm 100% sure, is not done coaching. And no. this is a great way for him to show what he knows um, in – you know, just kind of build his brand. I think Tom Herman understands that. And, and he's been, he actually started off his career in media before he got into coaching. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I think he was, I think he was, I don't, I don't think he was production. I don't think he was on air. Um, Manny Diaz did the same thing. He was running shot sheets uh, oh, wow. as a, a production assistant over there at ESPN. Um, That's funny. Fun fact on him. That's really funny. But, Yeah. So I think he understands the idea of getting your face out there, number one, but also like showing people what you know in the booth. No better way um, to kind of give those nuggets and tidbits. 
But now you look at a guy who, um, you know, he was at Iowa State and he was at Texas, so he kind of understands that recruiting ground and that region of the country. He obviously had a ton of success here in the Big Ten. We watched the way that he built that Houston program. But as much as I have personally and many other people have talked about um, some of the lack of success that he had at Texas, and we know what the standards are there, um, he he does own a, a 10 win season there and a Sugar Bowl victory. Yeah. Um, and Nebraska hasn't seen that level of success in, you know, in a long decades. time. Yeah. I mean, so I would, I would uh, kick the tires on him. If I was Trev, I would at least vet it and, and have conversations with people and maybe engage a little bit with him just to see what the interest might be. I, I know he's probably not the top of their wish list. You know, Matt Campbell and Lance Leopold and, um, you know, even Jimmy Leonard, who's the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin right now, are probably um, more toward the top of the list. But I don't know, man. Tom Herman recruit his ass off. Um, and that would be high school recruiting and in the portal. Uh, we know what Tom Herman brings as an offensive guy. I think you need to put – a great defensive coordinator with him, which is something they could do. That's and, a, uh, yeah. You know, you, you go from there, but like, I don't think that, that, I don't think that would be a bad deal. No, I don't think so either. And you brought up the, I thought it was interesting because you said you just need to pair him up with a really good defensive coordinator because that's something that at Texas you didn't see from that team. And that's, a, that's why you really weren't seeing them get over the hump and, that's why, you know, Tom Herman is, is not there anymore. And that's a good transition into what I was going to ask you about next, because Steve Sarkeesian is obviously at Texas now. We've been talking about, is this a turnaround year? Is this the year that they can get things going? Um, and then you go and see the battle with number one at the time, Alabama, this past weekend. And I was really, I mean, first of all, it was a great game. I, I mean, it was just Freaking crazy! Yeah, I, was, I was pissed. The game was on when I was when you were my game. yeah when you're broadcasting. So did you have a chance yeah. to go back and, and look at anything because there was so much that went on um, uh, in terms of both sides? You know, Alabama and Texas. Uh, you know, no, Texas lost its and, quarterback, and I know but. the hard part about a game like that too is like you know watching the coaches copy. You learn a lot about the different scheme, and, and you can kind of see other things, but. Like in terms of game flow, this one I feel like does more justice watching it first on TV. And yeah. Because I'm a dumbass, I didn't record it. Dang. Yeah. I know. I feel like this is a game you would really enjoy analyzing too, because of just all that happened within yep. it. You know, there were so many different types of things. And I was going to start with the quarterback because I really feel like if Quinn Yours was able to stay in that game, Joshua. I don't think Alabama would have won that game. Yeah, that's what it was sounding like. I mean, they said Quinn Ewers was as advertised, yeah. um, which was one of the questions I had. And, and this is not a knock on Quinn, just Quinn Ewers. This is a knock on anybody who has had the charmed life that he's had in yeah. terms of football to this point. Best yeah. recruit ever ranked and you leave high school early and people are sending you money and yep. then, you know, you know you're not going to play right away at Ohio State so you dip. And I'm like, okay, he's going to face resistance against this Alabama team. Like, dude hasn't had resistance in a long time. How is this going to work? Um, and everybody said he answered the bell and I saw some clips on Twitter and yeah. dude looks as advertised. 
Yeah. Well, unfortunately for Texas, he's out four to six weeks yeah. um, with that injury. And so Hudson Card, he, I mean, he was okay. He wasn't awful. I, I, I will. No, I mean, those guys were competing in training camp too. It, that's what I was going to say. That was definitely an ongoing competition that yours obviously eventually won out. But I, I did hear that it was a pretty legit, you know, sometimes they say there's, you know, competition at, with the two quarterbacks, but I think this was actually a legit competition. So I'd be interested to see with Texas moving forward with Hudson, you know, what goes on now um, in terms of, you know, who they're playing until they get yours back. But on the other side of the ball, I think I'm more interested about Alabama and what we expect out of them because we know SEC slate is, is not going to be easy. You've got teams like Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee that are now really stepping up their game, Joshua. Teams that we didn't talk a ton about before of being teams well, that could possibly, you know, beat it in Alabama in the last few years. Yeah, I think we were talking about, I mean, your proximity, but we were talking about Tennessee just like slowly kind of. Yeah, creeping up. Know, creeping, 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 getting things figured out. Um, I don't want to hop on the bandwagon. I know Tennessee fans are like so ready for this to happen. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. That's a team that I feel like has kind of built into this. Not uh-huh. saying they're going to have that elite level of success, but you got to be satisfied with the early returns. I think we both like Arkansas from a standpoint of Sam Pittman is yeah. a guy who can get it done that people didn't necessarily expect to be this good of a head coach. Like, let's be completely honest about the situation. Um, and then Ole Miss, man. Like, I for me, it's hard not to say – that Lane Kiffin isn't one of the best college football coaches in the game right now. Yeah. And I don't think he's even getting it. I I mean, I know people talk about Lane, but I don't know if they talk about him as being like that good of a coach. I think they they just talk about all the antics, you know, just because it's Lane. That's, that's what it is. Like the personality, I think puts a muzzle on a lot of people to not want to say that he's a good coach. Mm -hmm. He's he's a phenomenal coach. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, he does a ton of things right. I love yeah. the way he recruits. Seems like his players love him. Like, yeah. that's an engaging guy. We've been talking about it for years. I want to meet Lane Kiffin. Me like, that's too. What those guys that, like, I want to sit in coaches' meetings with and, like, just, you know, talk ball and shoot the shit. Yeah. No, I mean, the, it was funny because the last time I remember that I ever got to, to ever even ask a question to Lane Kiffin, I think I told you about this, was it, it was when you guys played Alabama. Yeah. In the Sugar Bowl for the was the semifinals. Yep. Um, and for the first time, Lane Kiffin was available to the media under Nick Saban. He was not available to the media that entire season under Nick Saban until that very point. I thought, first of all, that was the funniest thing I've ever heard. That's how much of a lease Saban had on his assistants. But to this yeah. day, Lane has said that's been the best thing that's ever happened to him. Is going to Alabama. Yeah. I, I mean, that's – Butch Jones said it last week about his career. Oh, God, I mean, Butch Jones. You talk know, talk but, about a Tennessee favorite. I'm, I'm joking about I, that. Um, but. Yeah, and I feel like Butch got a little bit of a bad rap. But, I mean, Tennessee's like Texas and Nebraska where, you know, their, their standard for what they deem successful is uh, a lot higher than most of these other programs. So I totally get it. But um, – yeah, I mean, Butch said the same thing about being under Saban. It was a great thing that happened in his career. Yep. Um, and so these guys have learned uh, clearly. And, yeah, I mean, I've, college football is basically it's drunk as hell right now. 
It is. It is. And I'm sure that um, there'll be more shots taken this weekend. And really quickly, speaking of this weekend, any games you're looking forward to? I'm I'm actually looking forward to the Penn State-Auburn game. Um, I, I don't really know what Auburn is this year. I haven't quite figured that out. But I, I feel like, you know, Penn State, this is a good a little bit of a better measuring stick to see like what they're all about this year. Cause I had them in my preseason top 25 poll. And then obviously I voted them back in this week and, and that's where they are. Yeah. I think uh, Penn state to me, I'm still not sold on what their offense is going to be at its highest end. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that they showed a lot of grit in their first game against Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that last drive that they had was absolutely phenomenal. I also think Purdue laid the game up on a freaking platter for him, not running the ball at the end. Um, and then who they played this past week, Ohio, like yeah. you're supposed to dominate that yeah. game. Um, I'm not exactly sure how much I'm going to learn about them from playing Auburn either because of the same thing you said. I don't, yeah. I don't know if Auburn is a good football team. They had issues in the offseason. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Nebraska – Bouncing back against Oklahoma, like that'll be a fun game. There's it's a rivalry. Um, you know, Nebraska now should be re-energized. Is Oklahoma? I mean, a lot of people are, you know, Brent Venables is the next anointed great head coach. Like, I don't know if I'm totally there yet. I gotta see a little more body of work. Um, yeah, I mean, this slate's really not speaking to me. So here's the two games I'll bring up to you. First of all, I am a little interested in the Michigan State Washington game. A lot of there's there's some, you know, voters that have been talking about Washington, even some that I've seen putting them in the top 25. You can believe me, I'm not buying shit right now because I'm from Washington State. <laughs> um, but I think it could be an interesting game. And then also the Miami Texas A&M game. Yeah. I think Miami ought to beat the piss out of A&M because I think Miami's just going to be a tough football team. Yeah. Um, like their quarterback. I like, I like their head coach a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of buying that hype a little bit uh, with what they can be. Yeah. The uh, Michigan state to me is another one of those where it's like, I I like what Mel has done, but I'm, I'm, I'm just so in wait and see mode with little skeptical yeah yeah they i mean i i feel like you know they can still run the ball but it's not what they did with kenneth walker running the ball yeah their quarterback is average he's smart but he's limited athletically um their defense they got a freaking guy named jacoby winman um and he was a portal guy i believe and this dude is leading the country in sacks tfls and forced fumbles um, already gosh. he is a freaking lunatic out there, but I'm not sure that their secondary is actually better that, than it was a year ago. Yeah. So there's, some, there's still some questions on that squad. Yeah. That'll, that's why I'm interested to see that game. Right. Cause it, it's just like, yeah, Washington, I'll give them credit. Like they, they, they've had, you know, success, you know, in the past, they've got a new coach and um, we'll see if they're headed in the right direction. Obviously I can't, go without ending this podcast by saying uh, go Cougs because what a win for my Washington State Cougars going to Madison and winning that game. And Joshua, I wasn't like convinced that Wisconsin was like this great team this year. I'm not going to say that, but I think any team 
like Washington State that you you know has a brand new head coach. They lost their quarterback, Jaden Delora, that transferred to Arizona this this past year. Um, so they've got a, a a kid that was playing in the FCS level, playing in front of seven thousand people. He's never played in front of more than seven thousand people. His first college game was obviously in Pullman, but we only seat about thirty thousand in that stadium. And then you go and make the jump to your second game, your first road game in front of 80,000 people in Madison. And you know what that stadium's like. How impressed yeah, were you by that win? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big win. Like you said, um, for all the reasons, like going into Madison is not easy. Wisconsin, whether they're going to be a, a good team or a bad team, they're going to be a tough freaking football team. Yeah. Um, and I think that matters as well. And defensively, like, you know, Wisconsin is bad on offense. I think defensively, they're still a solid football team. So, yeah. um, you know, to be able to to go up against that and um, face the resistance really works. And I, I loved what Washington State did on defense, too, against I did too. Uh, Wisconsin. You know, Wisconsin was able to get yards. They just couldn't sustain it because they don't have yeah. guys who can break the game open. They, they got aggressive. They played a ton of man. They said, you know, if you can throw it over the top consistently, then you can win this game. But we're not going to let you – beat us on the ground and we're going to challenge every throw by playing tough, um, tight coverage. And I thought it was great. Yeah. And if it's anything for Washington state, I think that, that you take from that is, yeah, you, you take that it's a win, but I like that you mentioned you got to win against a tough team, which in my opinion only makes your team tougher. And to have that early on in the season and to build off of that, I think that's really beneficial for Washington State moving forward in their slate of games in the Pac-12. They've got Colorado State this weekend, which you know they need to get that win. But then they've got a matchup brewing here with Oregon um, in week four that I think could be really, really good. Um, if they continue to kind of, you know, move towards the upward tra- trajectory and, and, you know, kind of beat down Colorado State this weekend, that could be a really good matchup in week four. Yes, it could be. I, I mean, this thing starts to set up a little bit. Um, yeah, and if you can pull that win off, that that sets the tone for the rest of the year as well. I think they're already – Coug fans are already kind of um, asking – college game day if that's you know if that's the case when you can get them in week four and they're both kind of moving in the right direction to bring college game day back game day back to Pullman because the first time that it debuted a couple years ago it was the most phenomenal thing um if you ever got to see college game day in Pullman it was probably one of the best ones that has been out there just because that place is freaking special and it had never come there before so it might be a cool thing if they can they can bring college game day back to the Palouse so I'd be looking forward to that for sure. My hey man, I might have to go cut, catch a flight to that game. Well, I'm not joking. I might, I might have to make it happen. Do like it. playing a little hooky. I'm okay with that. I got 80 hours of sick day, so there oh, we go. Yeah, no, yeah, take your time. Yeah, right. Let's go. All right. Well, we appreciate it, Joshua. Where can uh, all the fans go to follow you? You've been really active on Twitter too. Like I said, he's been putting his thoughts out there. Where can they go to follow you? Oh uh, yeah, football season. You know, I gotta, I gotta get the gotta engagement ramp it up, up. On, on the old Twitter. I'm trying to get the engagement up on my Instagram too. I, that's hard, man. That's hard. I know. And Instagram's algorithm, they will throttle your shit. Like they will hide your stuff. I've got I know. Twenty one thousand followers on here, and they're all real followers. And I used to get, you know, twenty five hundred, 
1800 likes on a photo sure um back in the day and i i can't crack more than than you know 650 at this point um you're tripling me so well i know but just the amount of followers i have nobody's yeah. seeing my stuff they're hiding my stuff so if anybody can help me on uh some of the optimi- optimization that would be great but um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RIP underscore JEP. I'm actually talking to the uh, the Twitter folks. Might have a new handle coming. I just don't want to lose the check mark. So stay tuned. Oh, yeah, there's a tease right there. Well, you can go follow me on my pathetic Instagram post because I'm not a girl that posts myself in bikinis and uh, crop tops. <laughs> Sorry, that's just not my thing. So don't follow me if you want that kind of content. But I will do a lot of my story timelines, and I'm very random in that way. So if you'd like to follow, you know, me because of my stories, that's a good way to do it. At Kaylee Anderson TV, uh, I'm very active on Twitter, though. That's my spot. That's my platform, and that is the same handle at Kaylee Anderson TV. I, I cover it all, folks. So go check that out. We appreciate you guys tuning in. What a fun episode. Hopefully we'll have more stuff to talk about this past weekend, even though it's kind of a boring slate, not going to lie. You just never know what's going to happen. So thanks again, and you guys have a great weekend of college football.